1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, we know that Satan is crafty. Um, what does uh, Genesis tell us about Satan? That he's the most crafty creature. Satan will attack us at our most vital defenses. Satan will attack us. He'll attack those habits that are most useful to our souls. Those habits will be attacked the worst and the hardest. Satan's plan is to attack our foundations. The habits approved that provide the most use to those wanting to better walk with God. And it's interesting, what is the, the title of this book? God's Battle Plan for the Mind. We are in battle. And we need God's plan. Meditation is essential for the believer. And since we know that Satan is attacking us in this, this aspect, um, that helps us. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So just knowing that he is attacking us in meditation, or he's attacking meditation to keep us from doing it, that should help us. Now, this chapter is going to look at some common excuses that people make up for not meditating. And it points out the impediments um, to us meditating on God's word. Um, some of these uh, excuses, is it too difficult? Uh, I'm too practical-minded to be gifted for meditation. Uh, I'm just too busy with responsibilities. Uh, clouded minds and wandering thoughts. Feelings of guilt and discomfort. And living for passing pleasures. Now let's just jump into this. It is due too difficult now, we have to be honest with ourselves, and um, I'm first and most all, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, <laughs> um, but really, we have to fight against the laziness of the flesh. Um, Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse, excuse me, Proverbs 6, verses 9 through 11, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. We all have priorities in our lives and we really need to be aware of where our priorities lie. Some things require uh, a lot of our time um, if you read the book, it did show that you know, everybody has pretty much about the same amount of time. Um, and then even though in, in, in North America, we probably have more time, more free time than many other cultures. Um, so we really have to be saying, is that really true that we don't have, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting beyond myself here. Um, too difficult. Um, but we all can do difficult things. 
Um, should we obey God even when we're not feeling like it? We, we need to be keeping things, um, keep the end of all things in, in sight here. What is the end of all this that, that we're doing? What is the end of all that? Glorifying God. Right? And he's also, he's making us ready to join him in his glory, right? The end of all this is complete sanctification and final glorification. Now, what is more important than that? What is, um, it wouldn't be worthwhile to be doing the hard things to get to that point there. We can really cannot put away or, or put off meditating in God's word because this is, the, this is God's primary way of providing spiritual food for us. Is not the kingdom of God worth some hard work? Matthew 13, verse 44, 46. Again, the, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Think about that. And these two examples here, the, the person who found something, you know, a great treasure, went, sold everything that he had, so he could go and purchase that thing that is most prized by him. So the difficulty or the difficultness of, of this really shouldn't be uh, be a, a, a good impediment. That should not really stop us from doing what we, we, we know we need to be doing. And if you think about that um, and talk to some people who have been meditating on God's Word, that difficulty is really only at the beginning. Um, once you get past that beginning, once you get past that, that initial difficulty, um, but biblical meditation can be found to be invaluable to the life of the believer. And in the book, there was a quote from Thomas Manton that sums it all pretty up pretty well. It is better to take pains than to suffer pains, and to be bound with cords of duty rather than with chains of darkness. Uh, a second. Um, common excuse for uh, not meditating is too practical-minded to be gifted for meditation. Now, we know that there are many gifts, right? And everybody has gifts. We've all been gifted by our Lord and Savior, our God, our Creator. Um, not everybody has the same gifts. Um, some think that you have to be a pastor or a Bible teacher or an elder to be able to meditate on God's Word, and that's really not true. God wants all His people to be confident in His Word. And so meditation is something that we're all told to do. Um, some practical-minded people say that they don't have the proper temperament to meditate, that they're not serious or thoughtful by nature. Um, but as we learned in the beginning, uh, of this book, what would you learn? Everyone meditates on something, right? 
you know, we we hear music and, and we that thing is that song is going on and on in our minds all day long. Um, we we meditate on when we think on on sports and all kinds of other things. So again, that really doesn't um, make it. Um, has anybody heard the the phrase in, in the uh, uh, law enforcement in the courts that says ignorance is no ignorance of the law is no excuse? So that's similar here. Unfitness cannot exempt us from this moral duty. God has called us all to meditate on His Word. Manson has another quote on, on this one too, and he says, "Though there be a diversity of gifts." We are all bound by the same duties, and though we be better fit for some than rather than others, yet none must be neglected in their order and course. Some people say that they're just too busy with responsibilities. And the author does go into some length to show that every person in the world has about the same amount of time to pursue things that are important to themselves. And modern Americans, like I said, have more free time than most other cultures uh, and around, around the globe here. But again, people will accomplish what is most important to them. And we have to prioritize what is most important to us. What's the chief end of man? I, I didn't hear you. Yes, very good. And what is the goal of our sanctification? Again, to be with God, to know him fully. And I'm not preaching to, I'm, I'm, I'm more preaching to myself here than, 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 than anybody else. Um, but there's, there's lots of time that, that we, can, we can meditate on God's word. There, there's Sabbath evenings. We can, we can take a little time just to, to meditate on that. Did you want to say something, Dave? I was just going to say, if you look at prayer as like the visitor uh, of meditation, you know, to do it. I was reading this morning when I found my on Stonewall Jackson in the battle, and they said that he, he prays like one breathes. You think about that. He, just like breathing, he was praying all the time just to continue breathing. Mm -hmm. You know, we might have to rearrange our day a little bit. Um, we may have to go to bed a half an hour early. Um, whatever that we're doing at that time, you know, forego that. Um, go to bed a little bit a half an hour early, wake up a half hour early. Spend that time in God's Word. You know, we, we all should be um, reading God's Word daily um, and just rearrange our day a little bit so we have a little bit more time to to meditate on God's word. There's, and yeah, we have a, a lot going on, and, and I know that um, we have lots of kids to, to be dealing with, and some people have more kids on the way, but still. Can I speak to that, what you just said, Will, just because this has been my experience. Anytime I plan, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed earlier so I can get up earlier so I can have that time with the Lord before my prayer myself or whatever. Inevitably, 
Satan wakes my children up earlier than usual. <laughs> but I have found that if I'm just consistent, then the Lord honors that and they start to sleep again. And then I have that time in the morning. So don't let that discourage you because it will almost certainly happen. Mm -hmm. um, but just Thank you. Yes, that's true. Um, there's a quote from the book. I, I forget who wrote this, but it says, Although we live and function in the world, we must carefully protect our hearts from excessive, unhealthy attraction to the world at the expense of our relationship with Christ. You know, there are so many things we do in this world to just live. Um, so many things in this world that we do that really aren't helping us live, um, but they are taking us away from a proper relationship with Christ. Another um, excuse is a clouded mind and wandering thoughts. And that's not always somebody's excuse on it, but that is something that happens a lot. Um, the word sober comes up 12 times in the King James Version of the Bible and 11 times in the New King James Version of the Bible. Um, and in our study of God and His Word, we really need to be sober-minded. We need to discipline our mind. What did uh, Paul tell to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 4? He says, he counsels uh, Timothy to exercise yourself toward godliness. Now, many of the Puritan practitioners of biblical meditation considered a wandering and undisciplined mind um, as, as being a, more of a moral problem. And it's imperative that any believer be able to exercise control over their thoughts to get anything out of God's Word. Um, sometimes... That, that clouded mind and wandering thoughts can be running away uh, from something, running away from God, running away from God's word, running, running away about being uh, serious about God's word. And this kind of uh, feeds into the next uh, uh, reason is feelings of guilt and discomfort. Um, and this is really interesting. I, I, I don't think I ever understood Proverbs 28, verse 1, until just when I was doing this, this reading here. Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. One consequence of a guilty conscience is fleeing, or avoiding the quietness required for Bible reading, meditation, and prayer. The wicked one flees when no one pursues. I never really understood what that meant. But that basically says that we're just running away from nothing. Meditation on God's word, meditating on God's truths, will oftentimes bring us face to face with our own sin. And that's not a happy place to be. It's a place where most of us would like to avoid at all costs. And if the sin is unrepented of, we will fill our senses with all kinds of noise to drown out our conscience. 
And if our minds are cluttered, we can't get into that quiet closet that is necessary to meditate on God's truths. So what do we do about that? And I, I thought about that, but I, I could not write that and explain that better than what the author does in his book here. So I'm just going to read that directly from the book. How does one escape this guilty fear of being alone with one's conscience? First, a believer must openly acknowledge his sin before the Lord. Because no one can outrun the conscience, one should instead flee immediately to Christ. The believer must follow David's example. Quote, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity I have not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the guilt of my sin. Psalm 32.5. Secondly, after the believer has acknowledged his sin through heart repentance, he must look to Christ for forgiveness and cleansing through Christ's blood. The believer must trust that in Christ sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Psalms 103.12 One must have the faith that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleans, cleans us from all sin. 1 John 1.7 when guilty feelings and condemning thoughts remain, the Christian must reason with them. Yes, I have sinned and broken God's law. Yes, I know the guilt of my sins, but by grace my sin has all been covered and taken away in Christ. Refuse to avoid quietness and meditation because of lingering feelings of guilt. Rather, stand firm upon the promise of God. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Rather than surrendering to feelings of unworthiness, the believer must recall that he is one who comes unto God by him, not through the merits of his own performance. What Christ has done for us far outweighs our sin, but we still need to be following Christ and doing what he is saying, we have to be obedient to him. Um, the last one is living for passing pleasures. And the practice of, of biblical meditation is often hindered because the person is fully content with the passing pleasures of this world. And let, let's think about that. Is, is that really a value. Um, how long do we live on this earth? The Bible says maybe a hundred years. Um, how long will we be with Christ in eternity? Eternally, yeah. Then, so, is is there really a difference in value here? There is a big difference in value. Um, Passing versus eternal. Just think about the words there. Now, getting back to the, the feast and analogy that we uh, read about in the beginning of the book. Um, the quote there is, is, When a person feeds his heart with unhealthy food of the world, he no longer has an appetite for the hearty spiritual feast enjoyed by meditation. <coughs> now, this really... Being content with the passing pleasures of the world 
more than the things of God, that's idolatry, right? And so, how do we deal with this idolatry? Again, we must admit honestly um, that we place the fleeting pleasures of this world above God's truths. And we need to look to Christ for forgiveness and cleansing through his blood. We must separate ourselves from whatever activities or pursuits that have been responsible for replacing our heart's devotion to Christ. And we must recognize the value of, of loving and putting Christ first and being loved by him. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I pressed, I pressed toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now that is that, that's something we should probably read and, and meditate on. Um, there's so much more um, waiting for us. In, in God's kingdom than we have here on, on this earth. And I'm going to close here um, with one quote from uh, Bate. Bate. Um, Remember this, the sweetness of religion is incomparably more than all the pleasures of sense. If a Christian would but experience this duty of meditation, and observe what a rich income, both of grace and joy, it produces in the soul. I should need no argument to press it upon him. Let's pray. Almighty God, truly, your gifts are far more valuable than anything we could find on this earth. Your truths are invaluable. Your work in our lives is awesome. Help us, Lord, to put you first, put your truths first. Help us, Lord, when we um, stumble and find this world more interesting and more valuable than you and your truths. Help us, Lord, to, to know you to learn more about you, to desire you. And as we get ready to uh, worship you together here, we pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to prepare our hearts and our minds to worship you rightly and to receive your word, uh, to be taught, to be edified, to love you more than ourselves. First in Christ's name we pray, amen.